1: This is the Straight Up Breakdown Podcast with Greg Smith and Jay Foreman. Oh, yeah? Tell it to me straight up.
0: Hello, and welcome into the Straight Up Breakdown Podcast, proudly part of the Hale Varsity Network. I am Greg Smith, your Chicago-representing grill master friend.
1: <laughs> I'm Jay Foreman, your friendly Midwest northerner, uh, <laughs> Minnesotan, uh, by the way, of Nebraska, uh, Romeo Cornell Hayton, co-host.
0: Do we do we start off hating on Romeo?
1: Oh yeah, for one hundred percent. He, what are you thinking? I mean, if there is, if we have to have, add a, a new segment, it's gonna be what are you thinking? <laughs> what like, was, I mean, brother? What were you thinking?
0: But I feel like Romeo is one of those guys, and we're gonna get off on a tangent already. But Romeo is one of those guys that it, it just feels like you want him to be better. You because you want to know why everybody
1: likes Romeo because he's always down to have a couple beers. It looks like and some barbecue. You know when you they probably up in the coach's office, and you you probably sitting up there after like eight hours or looking at the same play, and you hit Romeo on the on the on the little pager, say, hey man, I got a six pack and some and some wings. You down? And he'll be there. You wouldn't even have to ask him. He's like, I'll, I'll be there. You want him to do well because he has a great personality. To be honest with you, but that was one of the dumbest things you could do. And I, and I know the reason why is because the Houston Texans defense can't stop a clock right now. They can't even put stop on their like on their stopwatch stop stopwatch on their iPhone or whatever phone you got. But at the end of the day, it's harder to get a go the full length of the field, score a touchdown, and get two. Uh, with, with that, there was uh, they put up the winning percentage or probability, and it was up mm-hmm. into ninety percent.
0: It's difficult. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but otherwise, the
1: object of the game, <laughs> yeah, of coaching is to win.
0: I mean, it is because
1: you're not you're not in the Trevor Lawrence uh, sweepstakes, and you right because right. you already just paid Deshaun Watson. Right. So win.
0: the only guy they kept Deshaun yeah. Watson, yeah.
1: yeah, I guess if Jay I'm Watt. J.J. Watt, I'm, I'm going up there seeing my seeing Cowboy Cal McNair and say, hey, listen, homeboy, I love you. I am going to be the mayor of Houston when I'm done. I got – you got to trade to Yeah, at some New point,
0: England. like I want to go somewhere where I got one last shot at, at trying to yeah. win something if I'm J.J. White. Yeah, yeah. I'm and it's
1: right. got to be this year because he's way long in the tooth.
0: Yeah, and just the injuries are, are, yeah. are really starting to catch up, and eventually I, I feel like um, his play will kind of drop off a cliff. Trade him Maybe to Pittsburgh. As as it'll, just, it'll happen.
1: Trade him to Pittsburgh. You know, the brothers don't get that chance, but brothers really don't get that chance. <laughs> but a brother – We'll get that chance. Yeah, J.J. Watt. You could that say I want to nice. go to Pittsburgh, and they would, they would make that happen. I would like to see that trade him for like a six round pick and a you know. <laughs> something it's so like. funny
0: to think this is the way that the NFL works, though, yeah. is that you would actually say a six round pick for J.J. Watt, and well, that would be totally fine. Like that would be something they that, would just because just so he, bizarre, that's what he want, trade. and he, he yeah. would make
1: it. He they would make it happen.
0: So we are we are finally we waited a long time to be able to say that it's game week. For Nebraska, yeah. like it's been going
1: for what, right. six weeks. <laughs> for yeah. other everybody else team. has been playing. Nebraska's um, been practicing.
0: So, first of all, does it feel like to you? Does it feel like it's actual game week? Like, does this feel normal, like we settled into the normal routine of what it normally looks like?
1: Not really, but <laughs> but you. I think I'm thinking hopefully Thursday or Friday it hits me like okay, there's going to be a game, and you know Thursday be two days or, or Friday you know there's a game tomorrow morning, bright and early at 11 a.m. Uh, for for Nebraska, right? So <laughs> Does
0: the big noon kickoff on the east I think, coast? I uh, think Fox? next
1: week it'll be more like game week because until they kick off with the way the Big Ten has done things, I won't believe it till I see it. And okay. I'm, it's almost like everybody else has been doing what Nebraska should have been doing. So it's almost like I'm not even really serious. You you're really thinking that you're really serious about playing? I know Nebraska is, but until it happens, right. um, then it'll be game week. But I'm excited. I'm excited to see. You know where they're at. What you know? What's changed or what's gotten better, and and how they measure up. There's no time like the presence. I mean, look, man. there, <laughs> no, say, there definitely there, isn't the it, way look, that the, there, the there uh, first no, game is looking. There is no fair dodging right now. No. Okay. Don't tell me that you want to play for all these months and you want you, all this other you asking for all this noise. Yeah. Okay. It, it don't now you can't pick and choose your opponents. And this is one of the things the the main problem I have with the Nebraska fan base and and. Nebraska, sometimes in general, you you, sometimes I think they want to compete and play on their own terms and want the easy way into the Big Ten championship. And I get it since we've been in the Big Ten, we've probably played one of the hardest schedules, but we have not helped ourselves, right? We've lost the teams that we shouldn't have. So, why would they why do you think you need to be rewarded with an easier schedule when you can't even beat the people that you're supposed to that the Big Ten is thinking when you join? that you're going to beat Northwestern on a consistent basis, mm-hmm. Purdue on a uh, consistent – Indiana. In, in Indiana on a consistent basis, mm-hmm. and you're not going to be losing to, like, Troy and all these other teams in non-conference. Mm-hmm. So what have you earned? So now to go out there, if you want to get respect, you got to go earn it, and there's no other team to to earn it against than Ohio State the first game of the season.
0: Right, and then back that up with then Wisconsin, the, the you know, class of the West for, for yeah. many years now – in the second game of the season. But I think that what really, to me, we're starting to, it's starting to now settle in. And we're starting to feel like there's actually going to be a game. Um, And in part because Scott Frost had his press conference today, along with all, um, I think every captain uh, spoke as well. Um, And as you guys know, frequent listeners, hopefully of the Straight Up Breakdown podcast, we start off each podcast um, with a segment that we call Coach Speak. Coach Speak to Real Talk. (laughs) <laughs> Where we kind of go through, and and this time is actually going to be Scott Frost debut on the show. Now it's not. Now you're laughing. It's not. A, it's not necessarily a bad one. I just found this really interesting because. We kind of, at least I, I shouldn't say we because I won't speak to everybody, um, came into this offseason thinking that the quarterback competition would not really be much of a competition. It would be kind of in name only um, to make sure that, you know, you at least kept a little bit of a fire under Adrian Martinez and that, you know, that it would make Luke McCaffrey a little bit happier. But in the end, it wasn't really going to be a thing. Right. And then the last couple of weeks happened and Scott Frost, some of his comments that he's made, especially when he said the offense moves exceptionally well when Luke McCaffrey is out out there I'm like oh okay we, we might have ourselves a little bit of a battle well today um, he Scott came out and announced that Adrian Martinez will be the starting quarterback but then he said this little nugget first let me say I don't know how much separation there is between the guys um, after he dropped the news of Adrian being the quarterback I think we have two first string quarterbacks that's how we feel about them hmm what did he actually mean there
1: <laughs> well I mean he, he, he what he meant was we have two average guys and i and if you looked and there was another quote when he said well if if luke was adrian and had that experience then yeah. luke would have won so what it tell what it tells you is we got both guys that are equal and he went with the more known com- commodity because adrian has played in you know more games yeah. which is generally what i thought was going to happen what actually nebraska needed to happen what scott would have liked to happen um I think probably Adrian probably did a little, maybe a little bit tiny more to win the job. I don't think it was by much. I don't think Adrian has earned the right not to look over his shoulder. And I think Luke has earned the right to to, to have legitimate snaps during the game. Now, however they decide to divvy it up, if it's three series to one in the first half, you know, where he gets two legitimate series, then Luke's going to have to go out there and, and make, uh, you know, Lemonade out of lemons and, and uh, go out there and prove to everybody on a big stage, obviously with no no fans, you know, how good he is and, and put a lot of truth be behind the, you know, the backup quarterback is the one everybody loves. And, and and I know from a – I'm assuming from a coaching standpoint, from Scott's standpoint, they believe in Adrian. They, they want him to take a step forward. Um, if anything, last year, you know, he was very, you know, didn't get better, probably stayed – you know, even. Yeah, um, I think, he, I I think, think he, he
0: was more even in his sophomore year to his freshman year. And I think that people give it credit for it. I think at this point we've gotten to where people, I think, overrate that freshman season yeah. a little bit. And I think they underrate or think he was worse in his sophomore season. Right. I think they were they, a lot closer than people kind of realize.
1: Yeah, and I think that the way he played his freshman year was masked by having an NFL running back and a legit number one mm-hmm. Big Ten and NFL you have that received. freshman kind of yeah, coating on it, where you right. say, "Okay, it looks everything, good for a everything that you do as a freshman is magnified. It's mm-hmm. like for every five yard gain is equal to 25. And right. he had some big games, but it was all it, everything kind of lined up for him to do well. You played Ohio State the week before they were playing Michigan. You played Minnesota when they had been on the road for four four weeks in a row, and you beat the brakes off of them. Mm-hmm. And he and he had guys, and and Divine was starting to really catch fire which made his job a lot easier now he did do the things he needed to do but he came in with Heisman hype and so the expectations were out of this world and I don't think he was ready for it because he had the expectations that were that were out of this world he lost two NFL caliber players um, and then he had to take on some leadership role and he hadn't even been on campus more than like 18 months or a year And you're talking about leading guys that have been here before? Like, you really haven't done anything.
0: And I wonder, too, and, and I'm glad you brought up the leadership point because he was also voted a captain again sure. by the
1: team. That's when you know is he was that, starting, to be honest. That, if you yeah, to that coach was speak, really the moment. That was, yeah. Scott just kind of verified everything that was verified on Saturday or Sunday when the captains right. were leaked out.
0: And I think that the, the point, too, about him having not been on camp, campus that long when he was thrust into being a captain last year um, is taken because <laughs> I, I often think about the, this team and a lot of guys that are, st- that are here and, and – and some of the senior leaders, especially now on the team, you know, DiCaprio Boodles, Colin Miller's guys like that that have been around for a while, they have seen a lot. And Colin Miller kind of he hinted at this, and this is not to say that they were looking at Adrian sideways or anything like that last year when he was voted captain, but you just have to to me think about it kind of naturally and say it would be kind of difficult if you were a senior on last year's team to immediately wrap your arms around such a young guy being a captain and being thrust into that leadership role by his head coach. Because remember, Scott – Kept saying that we've got to make him um, a leader. We got to bring more of that out of him. That's his next step. Because remember, he kept being asked, right. like, "What's what's the next step for Adrian Martinez in his sophomore year?" Um, and it kept and he kept saying, "We just need him to be a leader. We need him to lead this team and take over and ownership of this team." And I could see where older guys on the team that had seen so much through multiple coaching staffs right. would be at least reluctant to warm up to that a little bit.
1: Yeah, for sure. It, well, one, you haven't done much. I mean, they're with him day in and day out, so they know they know the difference between what's being written on Twitter and, you know, by the pundits versus what's happening day to day and who's really making that offense go. And it was divine that made the offense go his freshman year. And then you're trying to ha- anoint him to be a leader when as a sophomore, a true sophomore, he doesn't know what he's doing. So. He he's really he's still trying to get to campus on time and get to you know the class on time and make sure his workouts. If I had been here and I've been grinding for four years and been through some crap, don't come talking to me. Tell and me you've what like, you've you been through. Like you probably you might lot.
0: have been through three coaches. Been through three <laughs> coaches, <laughs> time, and you're time. gonna
1: come trying to you know motivate me, man. You just make make sure that you hold up your end of the bargain, right? Because I've answered the bell and I've been in, on some you know crappy teams and, and have to deal with you know, a change in ADs and change in head coaches and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I think they probably pushed them out there too far. And and I'm a firm believer in leadership. It's not something that you can make somebody be or teach them how to be. It's either you're a natural leader in whatever type of leadership role you're in or you're not. Right. And And, And that's the way it is, because you look at any quarterback some are fiery quarterbacks some are very cerebral some are, are more you know talk more one on one behind the scenes and if you're not somebody that knows how to motivate somebody or knows or or is really truly not afraid to get in somebody's face regardless of how you're playing and maybe you don't have that respect yet or you haven't really earned your stripes per se it, it's something that you can't make somebody do and it was a and, and i think it affected his his game because he was trying to do so many things besides just play football and you heard at the end of the season where the preparation wasn't there, right? Um, right. Uh, and and so that's also on him, and also a little bit on the coaches because that's your job to make sure that he's prepared, right? To, to make sure that you need to make sure that he is locked in this room right here, and you better know what you're not only what you're doing, what all eleven people are supposed to do, and then some. Uh, and that's the biggest thing you need, and that's something that he's probably had to learn. He's had to probably go back and watch a lot of crappy film yeah. that, that he didn't like to watch. And make yourself the,
0: uncomfortable. <laughs> make it,
1: and that's the best thing that you could do for him because he should have that ingrained in his mind what's obviously not the right thing to do. And then maybe it's the cause, which was ended up being the effect, which is his bad play. The cause was lack of preparation. Mm-hmm. So if you can deal with that on the front end, it's going to make him a better player. It might not you know, equate to an extra 500 yards passing, but maybe – you can complete some more third downs. Maybe right. you can have him, you know, fight for an extra yard or two. Maybe he can make more, uh, better in-game decisions: when to stay in bounds, when to really push the tempo, when to be a little bit slower. One of the things about a quarterback, he's like like a point guard, and we talk a lot offline about Rondo, right? Why? What makes him really good? What makes him actually probably a Hall of Fame player is a, is his ability to play the position and. If you equate it to football, it's the ability to play pitch and catch with your receivers. The guy is wide open, hit him, and then continue on and down the field. right? And then when you need to make a play, you can take that upon yourself, i.e. like Tommy Frazier, and make a play in money time. And if you go back and look at Tommy and even you look at Scott, they could go. They could start out two for eight, two for nine. But when it's money time, them brothers are going three for four, four, right. four for five, touchdowns and throwing it four or five times on, you know, that series or series in order to either get the team back in the game or seal the game. And in order to get to that level for Adrian, it starts with preparation. It starts with being coached hard and also being coached hard in the moment uh-huh. because there's a difference between getting coached in the moment when you make a mistake and making sure that mistake is as is, is big as it would be in the game. Or two or three hours goes past. You lifted, got you a little energy drink, so, you know, and all this other recovery stuff, and then you go watch the right. film. The, the 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 sting is off. And when you play that position, a quarterback, and when you play a middle linebacker, there is no <laughs> there is no plays off. Right. There's got to be a selfless position, which then leads to more. Uh, personal success but
0: it's funny that though too is that when you talk about kind of seeing those guys you know former quarterbacks that were great at Nebraska what Adrian is is kind of trying to put himself into you know, a long way to get there but to get closer to that is seeing that success though and I think that that is I honestly think that that is a huge thing and it's, it's wrapped up in the confidence it's something that this program at this point just needs like they need to see those tough situations where okay they're down you know by 10 points in the second half, then they, okay, we're starting to chip away. We right. got that stop. We just got that touchdown. We did not have the kind of random special teams touchdown that then right. comes right. Over, that, come over that to um, break our right. backs. Like, we just continue to – we keep coming. We know right. and we have confidence that even when the chips are down and that things are, are piling against us right now – that we have something in us to then turn things around and, and get it going. And I think that right. Adrian is a part of that. I think it's like I said, it's a thing that, that needs to go through the whole team. But that's also something that I think is hard to develop in a team in a program that has seemingly had so many things go against
1: it. Snake bit.
0: Yeah. In the last five, six years. Ten.
1: Yeah. Because when you saw when you well, even back when Polini was there, they'd go up against Ohio State. And I remember being up there. They were up twenty-one, nothing. Ended up getting bolt raised by thirty. Right. Okay. So, so you're talking about the team thing. You know what Adrian really needs it to really cement himself in Nebraska history. You know what he needs. Mm. You know what separates him between from being, you know, a stat sheet stat sheet stuffer and the real deal wins. Right. Period. That's it. It. I'm telling you, you win. When, when have you ever heard them say, "Oh, Tommy Frazier"? Uh, 1,500 yards passing, 1,000 yards running.
0: I could not tell you for the right. life of you, me, Tommy Frazier stats. You can't tell me <laughs> right.
1: Tommy Frazier, Jerry Taggies, Steve Taylor, uh, Eric Crouch. Well, he won the Heisman, so I'm sure. It and that's comes the only the, reason okay, that right, comes right. up. That's the only because right, the it Heisman. comes up. <laughs> but any of the great quarterbacks in Nebraska, Scott Frost, mm-hmm. right? You don't think about nothing but when he won and when he laid it on the line physically in order to lead his team in, to a victory and a hard-fought victory. That's what you you think about Frost throwing that pass to Davidson and continue when an offense and have to pass and get into a scoring you know match with Missouri when a us as defense was having a bad day mm-hmm. him answering the bell mm-hmm. right you think about him against Tennessee and just running through them cats right you think about you that's what you think about so in a way, if, instead of because the day of football right now. Everybody that plays quarterback, plays running back, plays receiver, their stats are going to be overblown. Right. But the main stat that went, that that wins is wins and losses. We have to win. If if Adrian wins, he's he's gonna cement himself higher and higher of the pecking order. If he continues to lose, he's gonna be just like Jamal Lord. When you look at Jamal Lord's stats, Man, I have to, compared I'm, to Eric Crouch's, yeah. Well you know the difference between them two? They were getting Jamal Lord was getting their team was getting their heads beat in all yeah. the time.
0: He put up some monster Stupid seasons. stats. I think Jamal was maybe the quarterback when I first got here. Right. Um, and so I Nor used to always he, argue he was the it. first quarterback I knew. So it was like that was my guy um, and when I was in school. And I was like, man, Jamal, okay, y'all don't know about this dude. He actually right. putting up a lot of stats. But then you look up, and especially like kind of for Nebraska standards, even though they had a couple nice right. seasons in the beginning of that, I think they won 10 games maybe that first year I was here. Um, and then it just kind right. of fell off from there. But nobody talks about Jamal Lord. For to your point because – even though um when you look at like um his total yardage or his rushing stats as a quarterback, right. all of that stuff, he's way up there on the all time list, right. but he gets skipped over <laughs> completely it, 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 not when even you talk on about it. you think of
1: even like a Joe Gans or even Zach Taylor mm-hmm. right they were on the, where they were scoring a lot of points and, and putting up a lot of yards, but you getting boat race on national t v against Colorado you throwing for three hundred some yards people don't really care about that they it's about wins and losses right. And so that's what they really need to focus on. What do they have to do to win? And there's plenty of ways you can win. And it doesn't always have to be offense, you know, getting 600 yards and, you know, Adrian having, you know, 450 of those and all that other stuff. I mean, because if you win, all that stuff is going to get magnified anyways. Right. Because if Adrian goes, just say, just let's just play devil's advocate. Say we got, say we lost Ohio State, somehow we run the table, get and play him again, and he has. 102 120 yards rushing and like 220 yards passing, two touchdowns, no interceptions, but he gets a couple huge first downs mm-hmm. in a physical game, and we end up ups, upsetting them. But his whole stats throughout the whole year is just, I wouldn't say middle of the road, but really good, but not great. Mm-hmm. What do you think they're going to focus on when if they're if they got him, you know, for Big Ten Player of the Year or the Heisman? In that case, they're going to talk about the drive or the drives that they have to he completed. To win those games in the big games, they're not going to say, "Oh, well, he, you know, he threw." I mean, if that was the case, then we'll have a, you know a bunch of Andre Wares and all these guys out there <laughs> right. from Nevada being you know thought of as the best players in the nation. So it comes down to wins and losses, the stats and stuff will get massaged um, as, as much as need be uh, when if that time comes, you know, for individ- individual accolades or, or awards.
0: Yeah, and it, it, that'll be the development of Adrian is something that will be kind of it, it is a big engine driver for this team this year. And it's something that is just going to be talked about all season long. But one of the things I definitely want to hit on today is we kind of do a little bit of a season preview um, and do it in a little bit of a non-traditional way. Let's break that down is I don't want to kind of go through and break down position groups or anything like that. I think, because I think to me, the central theme of this year, well, really this year period outside of sports, but really um, for the Huskers and for college football, is just we don't know. Like right. There are just so many things that are just giant question marks out there. So I just want to run through a couple of things to us that are big questions that need to be answered uh, for the Huskers for this uh, 2020 season. Now, I'm going to start us off. With the one that I, I was thinking about this on the drive over because the biggest question to me is will this offensive line start off the season as good as we kind of think they can be, or will this end up being a situation as we've kind of seen the first two years under Frost and Greg Austin? Is they start a little slower and then they look better by the end of the season. Um, which version of that do we get? Because if we get the fast start offensive line. I think that that's as important as anything that we could have happen on the offense. And we were talking, we talked a lot about Adrian off the top, but just think about what would help him the most. And that offensive line is dominant from game one in which you have now a returning center who the snap issues for what we saw in the season are behind him, right? Right. And they like him a lot. <laughs> right. Like and he's athletic, is all can all get out um out there playing that center spot. You have a left tackle and Brendan Hymas, who the coaching staff loves and think is an NFL guy. Greg Austin has said that before, right? You have Bo Wilson at left guard, um, who will end up being a guy who I think is he ends up now kind of being the punching bag of that group. Right. Um but I think that's because you kind of like everyone else a little bit more, even though he wasn't fully healthy last year. We mentioned the center you have Matt Farniak moving to right guard which I think that he's better suited as a guard yep that's and then you have the guy that has been anointed is is not right because I think that this was always the path that he was going to be on Bryce Benhart being a guy who's a redshirt freshman now locking down that starting right tackle spot you should be good right (laughs) the offensive line should be good Greg Austin is very highly thought of
1: and you had Def Depth. yes
0: yeah. and now you start to have guys that okay they didn't win maybe those guards spots, like you know Trent Hickson Ethan Piper guys like that right. we like okay well if they had to come in the game we feel pretty good Turner Corcoran top right. 100 recruit coming in last year it would be hard for a freshman but if he had to get in there for a little bit um you feel good Brant Banks is somebody who they've been high on since he's been on campus um as a potential backup left tackle the backup right tackle is still a little bit of a question right. but you hope you don't have to get there right um To me, this offensive line starts out hot. It opens up things for Adrian because, A, obviously he's getting better protection in the pass game. Um, But then to me, it's almost more – about the rushing attack right. because if you think – I think Dedrick Mills could have a really nice season. The backup running back, whoever that's going to be, as Scott said today as well, is going to be green. Like he's, yeah. It's going to be somebody that hasn't played a lot. But you all, But running back to me, if you get a, a freshman that's pretty good, like they can put up decent – especially decent in numbers offense. in this offense. You, in yeah. this offense with a good offensive line. Right. So to me, I, I have my eye on that offensive line to start this that, season.
1: That's the most important thing – uh, on the team, I, mean, I always say that you're only going to go as far as your offense and defensive line goes mm-hmm. you know, or, or takes you. So we're focusing on the offense. The offensive line, here's what it does. if you, When you look at UCF when they were down there with Scott, they had two or three running backs that, that could take it to the house. Right. So their offensive line was performing at, at a pretty high clip, right? Then you look at the first year when he was in Nebraska when the offense really started to take off. The running back. They, everybody thinks it's a quarterback-driven offense. In my opinion, this is my opinion, speaking from a defensive standpoint. If I was preparing to play against Nebraska mm-hmm. when they are really rolling, mm-hmm. what makes everything go? And you think of Oregon, you think of UCF, you think of everything. Is their ability to win at the line of scrimmage, win at the at the at the point of attack, and also the cutback lanes for their inside yeah, outside those zone edges? Yeah which sets up their play-action pass, which sets up their zone read, the QB option, all that stuff. So to answer your question, if that offensive line makes it easier for Dedrick Mills to start off hot, establish the physical presence that he is, to wear teams out, because the offensive line I don't think is going to necessarily wear the defense out. What's going to wear, guys, wear the defense out is Dedrick Mills coming, mm-hmm. right? Because he's a one-cut guy and yeah. he's physical and he runs behind his pass. I like him. I like so, him as well. I do. So what that also is going to do is going to allow you to open up with the play-action pass, which is going to hopefully allow our tight ends to be more of a factor, mm-hmm. right, which is more appealing to our, all these recruits out there, wink, <laughs> yes, wink, right? Is, right, which then also is going to be lead to more predictable coverages that's going to allow Adrian to play quarterback position a lot more – uh, efficient, which I talked about before, playing pitch and catch, which then is going to allow the, uh, the receivers to develop faster because they're only going to get one or two coverages based on what they were able to do in the run game, right. which then will, when you add it all together, is going to actually open up the playbook to do some trick plays and stuff like that to really keep guys off balance. Um, maybe the the, the the slot screen will work this year. You know, and it, it didn't work last <laughs> yeah, year against boy. Iowa. That no. could set it up, but then you can run. You know, you can run it more frequent and do some stuff. So I think that uh, the offensive line will set the tone. It's going to set the tone for the whole team if they can not only be physical in the run game, efficient, and communicate a lot better in the you know pass protection, but then also the big thing that's hurt this this whole team on both sides of the ball, or actually in all three sides if you if you count special teams, or I do, is penalties. Yes. So it's it's one thing to play hard. It's one thing to be physical, but you have to be able to do it without shooting yourself in the foot. And what I mean by this, if it's third and two, and you bust off a ten yard run, nobody wants to see you guys walking back with a, <laughs> a with a you know a holding penalty away from the ball, or like when we played Purdue and we needed to go for it on, you get that half a yard or one yard. And the offensive tackle runs right past the guy that hits the quarterback. Right. We You can't – those things have got to be finished. And it's not even – and that has nothing to do with recruits. That has nothing to do with star rankings. It really has nothing to do in a lot of ways with coaching. It's individual choices to go out there and do your job, come back to the huddle, and continue to do it again. Discipline. Discipline. But there is self-discipline because at this point, like, yes, it's, it's a lot of coaching. But when you get out there and you're playing, and really when you're getting out there playing without the crowd, it is just you guys out there playing.
0: <laughs> yeah, now that's that's gonna be a whole different thing. It's it's like, it's like you can blame just the got crowd. People, I got went confused. out there yeah. in the parking
1: lot, and we just said, you know what, <laughs> Sasha, we're gonna put you in some, we'll put you some pads, and we're gonna line up. <laughs> there is nothing out that you can't. That's what I'm saying. That you, nobody can save you. Right. And I know, in, in there, it's a you go kind of like back and forth. Is it coaching or is it the players? Like the excuse of talent. Is over, right. at least from my end. I know there is going to be everything. We, every look. I, the funny thing, everybody wants more. Talent. Look, everything of you know. <laughs> you know what's so funny about roster? If you ever listen to Nick Saban in the offseason, he always is talking about I need, I need to improve my roster. He's the best coach in the nation is still talking about improving mm-hmm. his roster. He's always him and or Alabama and Georgia have been going back and forth the last like four years, one or two recruiting classes. Right. So. Nobody's roster is ever perfect because if they did, they wish they could go get every single recruit. They hit their maximum of reaching their potential, and they end up being all conference. And you still
0: wouldn't because you You still gonna have injuries on top of that. So you got
1: to go out there and play. And so yeah, it's a big thing with the offensive line, and that makes everybody else better. Um, And it will make Adrian better, but it starts with the offensive line and the ability to have one, uh, you know, one a running back, and then a close like you know. To be running back as but well.
0: But I also wonder too, and what you said about um, the offensive line kind of setting the tone by being physical is that Greg Austin said something that kind of caught my eye the last time that we talked to him, where he was saying that, you know, we have to have bread and butter plays and we have to, right. we have, we've been butter and bread for a long time. Real good quote. Greg Austin, that's a good quote when he <laughs> sits down and talks to you. Um, and that, But I thought that that was interesting because yeah. then Matt Farniak came up today and he spoke and talked about how, you know, about the freshman running backs and how he thought that those guys would get in there and be a little jittery in the backfield because they're used to coming from high school where you can just run yeah. around everybody but he said that wasn't happening and he said that they came in and were just hitting the hole and I wonder if there's two reasons for that one they see that behavior from Diedrich Mills right, right? the yeah. guy that's the unquestioned oh, yeah. leader we in the room that. and then the second thing is because Greg Austin kind of as the run game coordinator now is now kind of putting his fingerprints on things just a little bit more where he's saying okay we're going to have to come out here and be physical because the thing that always sticks with me is coming out of that Iowa game where he says that, man, I thought we should have kept running the ball at him. <laughs> like, and I thought that that's what we needed to do in our game plan to be able to kind of attack that Iowa defense. And that, to me, is just going to be really interesting to see how that all that mix all that, plays out. Yeah, that's,
1: that's going to be it. But that's that's like uh, you worried about family business of the distant cousins, uh, Ray Ray and Jerome. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I want to see how you make a Thanksgiving dinner. I don't care how it gets done. Y'all yeah. can argue all you want in the kitchen when it's time to eat. I want that meal cooked to to perfection, right. right? But at the end of the day, it's gonna. I, I'm I'm more interested now. We're starting to talk about physical, and I'm starting to get a little bit hyped up. I want to. I want to see who finishes plays. Okay. Because when you play offensive line, you you know I know they all got man buns and stuff. I would have a team rule. All, <laughs> the mustaches, all that stuff, gone. I'm straight up. The music gone. Man buns or whatever it is, gone. Okay, you got to earn that stuff. But if okay, that's fine. This is a new day and age. I yeah, guess I mean, Yeah, we come on. Look, yeah,
0: man, I mean, you. Yeah, we Look. You know, guy right. in the club right now. Right, it's okay. Right, it's right. okay. right,
1: but I'm just saying too much focus can be on that, right? I, I can you. tell you K Warner, you. that that mustache wouldn't even he wouldn't have seen the light of day when, when I was there, okay? <laughs> um, but what what, what I'm say saying,
0: JP would have held him down and shaved it off.
1: Oh. Or he would have just shaved one of the sides off if you want to wear if you want to be cute, we make sure you look real cute when you walk around See. campus and you better not shave it off when you get home or you're gonna be you know get these things put on you. but at the end of the day when you play offensive line, you could be as nice as you want outside of football. right when you play offensive line, you have to be a prick. yeah you have to be and you can't be nice and and to be honest with you, we've had way too many nice guys. And I remember one time when I th- I think I went down to talk to Mike Riley in, in the team, mm. and I, f- I forget the guys. Remember the running back that came that was committed to Wisconsin, Jordan and, Stevenson. Yeah, and he had the, like the he had the, he had the dad bod belly. <laughs>
0: yeah, he came. out. Like it was a weird. Like he had spent the summer, summer not working, working out, and eating mama's cooking. But, like it was a. Weird but weird but he was eating mama's cooking, but yeah. he could
1: he could practice forever, and he still had some speed. Well, I went down there and talked, and he was sleeping. he was sleep up there. So I took a pen. Threw it and hit him. Say, dude, while I'm here talking, man, you are gonna give me the respect, dude? You, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? So I started getting a little hype, and I brought out a couple props and stuff. And Coach Riley didn't like it. But at the but when I what the the more of the story is is I tried to explain to him when you can do whatever you want outside when you're playing football, but when you play football, there is no nice, right? Mm-hmm. And somebody asked me about the team when I you know a couple days that I don't know what radio station I was on. I said, you know what, the biggest problem I have with those guys. If my daughter was in college, mm. I'd probably contemplate letting all those dudes date my daughter. Mm. And that's not what you want. You want some guys that are just a little off. You know what well, I'm especially saying? on a, a couple on of offense. positions. Like, the, especially because when you play, play offense and defensive line, you just can't. You just, you aren't normal. You, that, that's, a, that's a thankless position. Yeah. Unless
0: you're the best of the best. The only, and it's usually it like one of those guys right. on your team if you're good. Like it's, it's one of get, them. And then it, the rest of them you just don't really know. Right.
1: right? Like, no. like if we're if this is going to be the pipeline supposedly, no, nah, there's no comparison. But Bo Wilson is going to be the Joe Wilks. Of, he needs to be our Joe Wilks. Mm. So if you don't know anything about Joe Wilks, uh, when we had the great Nebraska pipeline, he was the tone setter. He was the guy that was nasty. He was the guy that was the fight starter in practice. Mm. Right? But, you know, you had Zach Wiegert. Zadiska, Brendan Stye, Aaron Graham—all those guys had great NFL careers. But Joel Wilkes was the guy that was the walk-on, had to work himself in there. But he was straight nasty. He'll poke your eyes out. He'll kick you when you're down. That's what you need to play offensive line. And it's not about being dirty. You just got to—you just got to have one of those guys. Yeah. Like, and I think you do.
0: But I think you need. Like it's funny you said because I actually I agree with you completely because you need those guys on offense and defense um, because it. it Part of it is is it sets the tone for your team, team but it because it makes it to where you know when you go into a game, that guy's not going to let you get pushed around. No. Right, and I think there's something to that about having somebody, A, that has your back, but also if things are going wrong, they're going to buck up and really get into it, right? right. Like they're not going to just wilt under the pressure. Right. And, and, and a lot of that comes off of that attitude and aggression that you have from the
1: beginning. Right, and then the the, the more nasty that your offensive line is, the more nasty that your front seven and defense or your defensive line and linebackers will be. Yeah, they have to match that. They have to match that <laughs> because it every otherwise you're going to get yeah, it's right. just get dominated or vice in versa. Yeah, there's got to be a time that you got to be tired of getting your butt kicked, and it's not about talent anymore. Right, and it definitely ain't about opportunity because there's been plenty of opportunity if you wanted to start. It's here, nine wins in two seasons. Nobody's job is 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 in concrete.
0: Which is always funny to me too. When when not the nine wins of two years, but what Scott said this again today, where um, you know every every position is an open competition. It's not just about the quarterback position. I always I sometimes wonder how much how much of that is coach speak and how sure. much of it is real. But I do think that they're in a situation where you shouldn't be. No one should really have a starting spot locked up no. coming into this. These, and you ha- you're at the point now in the program, especially with with now three. Three full recruiting classes, um, where there's enough depth, or there should be, based on kind of the recruiting rankings, um, that a guy should be nipping at your heels to take your spot. Sure, like and even a guy that you think um, is going to be like Cam Taylor Britt, I I think he's going to be. I think he's a good player. I think he's going to have a good season. But even he should have somebody that he's looking over his shoulder a little bit, saying while at the same time teaching that guy and bringing him along. He's also looking at him saying, "Okay, if I don't stay sharp." This guy's coming. Like, you should right. really start to build that within the program. You too. need
1: to have good competition. And, and there's no nothing wrong with being out there if you're competing with somebody and he goes out and just say, for instance, for at the linebacker position, he goes out in his two series and he has five tackles or he has like three tackles and he's a factor in another one that you want to go out there and match it. Right. And it's all playing within the scheme of the defense. You know, you're you're thinking individually or you're playing individually and thinking collectively. The better that Jay Foreman and Greg Smith play is better for the team, mm-hmm. you know, within the scheme. The problem is sometimes we got guys going out there to try to – the betterment for them is the betterment for them. Right. And then you see Iowa, you know, run a, you know, you know, a counter or counter cutback to the house and hits his head on the goalpost because guys want to do their own thing. And so it's something that's, uh, you know, has got to get weeded out. But I think they do have enough depth to provide legitimate com- uh, competition I think they have enough depth that we're ideally in a in a ideal coaches world that you're gonna have your starters and guys that are that are not only giving them blows but also not there's not a big drop off. That's how you can yeah. build a team where you're reloading and you know that this guy coming in after, say, you know, Taylor Brick goes on and hopefully gets drafted to the NFL, that you've seen enough of this guy where you think, you know what, he's ready to step into a starter role because he's already played somewhat of a starter amount of plays or he's shown enough in his short amount of time at playing that he can handle the load where you really see teams fall off is where the guy leaves and goes and he's graduated or gone to the NFL and the next guy come in, he's starting over. So essentially you're pushing reset at that position. And if you do that at some really, really critical positions, like well quarterbacks a little bit different, but like at corner or like linebacker or like in the offensive line where you haven't got, you know, your center, (laughs) your center where guys that aren't, In there, at least getting some sort of you know reps during the you know the season, it's really hard to replicate that in practice, and then go out there against teams that are going they're going to bite back and fight back, and then attack you in certain ways because they know that you haven't played.
0: Yeah, and it's only because I think Nebraska has a couple of guys. Um, that fit into that category um, and we mentioned one of them Bryce Benhart who did get to right. play remember and I, I've, I've said this to you before our best compliment I can give Bryce Benhart is he went in for that Wisconsin game and I didn't notice him anymore right hey, well, like that's always to me for an offensive lineman that's kind of step one you want to I mean if he's out there just pancaking everybody great right, right? but right. if he is also out there and, and you, you don't, don't yeah you don't hear his name you don't see the guy that he's um, supposed to be blocking go making unblocked sacks right. like that's that's okay especially right. in that case a true freshman just out there against that defense too. Like, yeah against that defense on the flip side also on the defensive line ty robinson was yeah, like hey. this right yeah. where he went in and he played well right away and i think um once you start to really build that, and it does not have to be a lot of guys, but just enough to where you can sprinkle these guys in, it builds up the confidence because now what we're saying coming into this year is, oh, I expect Bryce Binhart to be pretty good. I expect Ty Robinson to probably be a starter um, when they go out there to start this season when they play on Saturday. And I think that those are the building blocks that you right. have to those get
1: Those are to. the foundation mm-hmm. pieces that you need in order to start to get over the hump be respectable at the line of scrimmage, which will lead to wins. And w- when you think of big big Ty Robinson, you think also Casey Rogers too. He did the same thing. Okay, yeah. so so when they got in against Wisconsin and they faced all-conference uh, – all, all, they had an all-conference guard. I think he was first or second team guard. And Ty Robinson got into him with good hand placement, didn't – actually won the line of scrimmage, reestablished the line of scrimmage, and made a play. Mm-hmm. He was doing things that guys that had played all season didn't. He played with good pad level, had good knee bend, uh, was physical. He could he, all the things that all the check marks that you need from a technique standpoint, and then also make the play. That means he's a football player as well. Uh, that had to give the defensive coaches and the whole coaching staff a lot of um, confidence going into the season uh, because it also, for not only their confidence, but the player's st- confidence right. was even more. So as he's, and I've been in this position. Actually, indifferently, when it because I came just straight from redshirt to starting, right. so when we jumped out there Thursday, boy, wow, <laughs> my butt was puckered up tight. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'd been in practice before, right? But I, well, I'm going against Oklahoma State, you know. So, but with these guys, when they're training all off season, so I can equate it to when I'm going into my second year, is that nothing's it's not too big for them, it's not a surprise right. for them anymore, and they're also thinking, okay, I did okay as a as a redshirt as a freshman. This is what I need to do to do better. I, it actually fuels them to even work harder and to become better is because they got that little taste of success. And then also they got that confidence that they can actually play at that level. They all say they can play coming out of high school. Right. They all say they want to come in and start. But when you come into Big Ten, you playing against grown men.
0: I always and it's funny because I'm laughing because it's like regular job of recruiting analysts, I hear that all the time. Oh man, I'm gonna go in and you know I th- I think I can start right away and this and that. And I always just kind of laugh um, and just I want to say and I don't. Um, just wait till you get here and see what it's like because I always I still think and especially um, guys that are not from the area like in, they, in Nebraska recruits nationally they always have. Um, and when you get these guys um, from other places not in the Big Ten footprint, right. I think that they have a perception that the Big. Ten is still kind of like, like old, slow, slow and big right. and like that that's just it so i'm going to come in and do my thing and it'll be then be totally I'm, done. Fine. I'm going to leave. Yeah, yeah and that's just not how it works and i think that people get to the big 10 and realize that it's not like your, like older brother or your older yeah, cousin it's not like you're like like it's like, not like, like, your like your that dad anymore. talking about it's, no yeah, because yeah. it's so it's so varied it's, it's you can play in consecutive weeks and well Nebraska is going to kind of do this where you play Ohio State who has all of the skill and talent but also has a more a- it's still a, a spread scheme, but it's a little more and more power in there, starting right. from the urban thing. Um, but then you're going to play Wisconsin, who is a lot more traditional. You'll play Purdue at some point, who is another blend. You'll play Minnesota, who also wants to beat you up. But then Iowa, who just wants to get in an alley fight. Like, there's a bunch right. of different Indiana. Have Indiana, in.
1: Indiana wants to be a little bit physical, but they'll still try to just attack you on the outside. Um, Maryland's going to try to th- – ideally, they'd like to throw it all you know yeah, all around the park and stuff like that.
0: But the um, other thing is too is though, but what you notice what we said about every one of those teams, so every team starts with that physicality, right. but then some of them really have a lot of skill, and right. you don't. Penn State is kind of right. like that too, um, where you just don't realize that, and I think that there is a learning curve with that, and you you see it. And guys, eventually, hopefully, get over that and realize okay, we got to buckle up. Yeah. Um, but that's why I always you always have to temper a little bit of expectation but, about guys coming in. But so you know quick
1: what their biggest shock is for guys, especially to come here to Nebraska, because that's the only thing we know is that if they're recruiting a kid, say he's a four star recruit and he's from Texas, you know, I always say the the Florida tech, Florida kids, Texas kids, California kids, and down south kids, Alabama and Georgia. They, they think their high school football is like semi-pros. Yeah, everybody Rubber. thinks that theirs they, they, is they, the they, best. They, right? they just invented football, and they play, yeah. just a di- they play with a different type of football yeah. or something, right? You know what their biggest shock is when they get here to Nebraska? And obviously, if you come in this year or when you come in, even in Scott's first recruiting class or his second, is that you get here and you have a losing program, which we are right now, right? And there's actually guys that can actually play.
0: Right, that even though the even team though they, wasn't even what the, they wanted right. to be, there are a lot of guys here that can play. That can
1: know. play. That either maybe they were injured or just have been, you know, kept in on the on the shelf to you know to develop, you know, over mm-hmm. time. That guys can actually play, and it and a recruit's ability to deal with competition and fight through it. You can't put a star ranking on that, right? And then being away from home and dealing with you know not the you know being treated like you are on your recruiting trip, and you're just a guy on the team, and you got to earn everything that you you get. It's hard for guys to deal with because a lot of times, in the way that kids are coached right now, and I coach a lot of youth uh, sports, is that these parents want everything given to their kid. Now, there's there's a lot of obviously these kids getting to Division one level, level, Division one level. Excuse me, are special athletes, but that doesn't mean just that you don't have to earn it. Right. And it sets them up for long term failure. I know from experience. From my high school. Okay. I ain't naming no names. Okay. I know what the background is. You know what I'm saying? I know how hard it was when I was there, player. You, you get where you feel you feel where I'm going? I know when I talked to one of my coaches back home and I know exactly what he said. So I know what happened when you get here. It's it's tough, man. I mean, I'm not sitting there. like there was times when I walked back to Abel Dorm and I was like, you know what? I wanted to pack up this Chevrolet Celebrity. <laughs> Every, I had like I had like two bags of clothes, okay, right. and a TV. I could have easy I could put that in the trunk, hit up 80, 35. oh there's times I wanted to quit. Yeah.
0: Competition's tough, but you also have to have guys too, though. That and I'm sure you had this that okay when you felt like that, there were other guys on the team or even in your position group, position room group that had also been through that and came through the other end and then had some success. I think that that's also part of it. It is. Is that sometimes you get – like if you're on the team now or over the last couple of years and things get bumpy for you, you look around and you go, oh, well – that guy didn't make it work to the level that they really wanted to. It's not going to happen for me. I'm just going to bounce. You need and that's why when you start to, it, it's almost like kind of like success breeds success. Right. When you start to taste that a little bit, you then just have more and more stuff for everybody to lean on and to come together over. Right. Like, and I think that, that that's very important for Nebraska to really start building that in a tangible way with wins. Right. We hear about it and we, we hear about the camaraderie now, especially there's different now, like the way that they talk about kind of the, the culture, you know, people right. get tired of that but the way people talk about that now it sounds like it's better the next step though yeah, is yeah. to have those wins and to have those success stories yeah. so that guys can really say okay it, it, it happened for I don't know pick a guy anybody um, it happened for Colin Miller look right. at all the things he's been through right. if I'm then Nick Henrich or you know I'm Luke Reimer I say okay that I guy's see. been through it it's right. gonna be okay
1: right it's gonna be all right and then also he's gonna tell you about it and teach you how to keep, to fight through it um, you know, Troy Dumas and Clint Brown was big for me, okay. you know what I mean? Where they, you know, Troy, you know, he switched position, went from safety to linebacker. That's what I did. And, you know, I struggled at it. And so to Troy and then Troy ended up obviously having a great career and then going in the NFL. So it, it, it's, it's a lot to be built in. The one of the things I will say, I was watching game day and they had the story on Boston College and their coach coming in and, you know, selling his vision. And Herb Street said one of the best things he said. He's like, when you come in and you have your vision, you're telling guys, and then you have success early, it's sustainable. Oh, yeah. it, and it makes it concrete. We aren't able to do that. Right, but right. once we start to get more wins, you'll see less transfers. You'll see more guys kind of fight through the the hard times. Right now, it's too easy for guys to say, like, you know what, man? I'll just go to Florida right. A&M. Right. Or Florida Atlanta. I'll just go back home. home yeah. But also, I always tell people... Guys that kind of turn it in that quick, you weren't going to win with those guys. No, because, you, because I mean, because the could, first sign of the first trouble. Sign, and, then,
0: and this year, I don't want to go too hard on those guys, because this year is a l- little it was different, a little different of COVID, because of COVID, right? right? Yeah. But you still were kind of having some of those issues before, before that before you didn't COVID. really need to have. Yeah, you didn't really need to have so many of those right. issues. The
1: first two weeks you on campus. Yeah. You know, you were a little, Yeah, It was just too much. And they were high maintenance during the recruiting process.
0: Now, see, I do think that that, I do think that that's part of it. And and I think part, part, especially because this staff, and I I write about this a lot, is that this staff is very good at building long-term relationships with recruits, which is why, you know, when you have guys like Nash Hutmacher or Turner Corcoran um, that had visited Nebraska a whole lot um, in their time and had built relationships, no matter what other teams they had been talking to, Nebraska really had those hooks in with them and built those relationships. They seem to do very well with guys that they're able to do that with. And it feels like they have a better understanding of what kind of kid that is all right but the kids and it would be interesting to really do a deep dive uh, yeah, on this I the kids that, that really or last those second. last second or those flips in the last minute the guys that were kind of going back and forth the ones that were you know doing signing day ceremonies where they really were kind of unsure and the mom wanted, them to go
1: somewhere else yeah all
0: of that <laughs> stuff it just seems like for whatever reason those don't guys out. don't yeah. work out for nebraska
1: because every time that they probably back home you know, the uncle giving them the business. I told you you shouldn't be going to Nebraska. They got the COVID up there. Right. right. See,
0: like, <laughs> if, we, if that's not us, we can keep you safe, like those sorts yeah. of things. So, like, like do you do could be here day. doing all of this, like that right. sort of stuff. So, and that'll be something, though, to track going forward, like how sure. they kind of adjust that. Um, because well, I wonder if until they're winning at the level that they want to, and they can kind of be a little bit more selective with the kids from sure. far away. Yeah, how that will impact things, especially as the region has become stronger in recruiting. Fruit. Like, yeah. there's been a lot more regional recruits that you see other regional yeah. programs We're coming winning with. Yeah. Like, and they're coming to get them. You see Kansas State. Obviously, Iowa has done well with this right. in their state um, for a long time. Um, Iowa State is building a program like sure. this. Like, there's a lot of teams that are doing that. I would be curious to see if Nebraska makes a little bit more of a shift today just because of that homesickness factor right. and just – it's just harder to then pack it up because, you know, you're going back to Lawrence, Kansas right. instead of, you know, just sticking it out here a couple hours away.
1: Right, but let's keep it real. When I was in, in at Nebraska, we had plenty of Florida guys or different Texas and all that that end up transfers, transferring or quitting. The only difference is you didn't hear about it in the Daily Nebraskan. Now you hear about it because they make an announcement on Twitter and they right. go are transferring to go to different schools. So it, it happens all the time, and it's just part of the business. It's part of recruiting. You know you you know if there it used to be twenty five scholarships per recruiting class, hundred mm-hmm. kids on a team. You're it, it's it's no different than being a rookie in the NFL. You come in and say you know you have nine guys in your draft class. You know, one or get one or two will get cut. You're down to seven after year one. You'll probably be down to six, maybe five. Right. By the time you become a free agent or your contract's up, there's probably four of you left. Right. And that's the way it is with re- you know with recruiting. It's 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 very funny. I remember you know he came in. I came in. There was a guy named Ted Butler who's actually he's doing really well in the business world. You know, he's a center from Lincoln Southeast. You know, he was gone pretty quick, and the other guy's gone pretty quick, and he just you know, you know here one day and gone the next. Right,
0: yeah, and that, I definitely think that like just having more access to the information sure. makes that. Say, and because, and of course, everything is kind of magnified by losing too. If this was happening right. in Nebraska, it'd been winning. You think Alabama um, nobody have guys yeah, that yeah, they have it all the right, time. Yeah, all it all happens time. every year um, to Alabama. It's very always high profile, but it just keeps on moving along. Right. Um, but I want us to finish up with with what is always my favorite segment, uh, where we put somebody on blast. Put them on blast. So each week we kind of go through and. and we decide who we're going to put on blast for something that they either did or said this week. I'm going to go with one that I feel like I really, if I really wanted to, could do them every week. The NCAA is who I'm going to put on blast um, this week. Because it hit me um, as we were kind of going through getting ready for college football this week. Remember Nick Saban. Nick Saban had tested positive for COVID. Mm-hmm. Had to go home and we were kind of talking offline about it, like how we knew he was going to continue to coach. And this is before we saw his daughter right. tweet out that he was watching from Zoom or something and right. that he was yelling at people in practice and he <laughs> that's was what doing I'm well. About. I need that for my uh, kids. Oh my goodness. That's so crazy. Like I just had I wish they just released video of that. Right. Um but then it turned out that it was a false positive, right? right. Like he had he tested um negative then three, three times three times. And um, twice in twenty four right. hours. Ago. And then he was back on the field this Saturday. Well then this Weekend, we saw Jeff Brom, Purdue announced um, that their head coach, Jeff Brom, had tested positive, And he now – he is in isolation. For 10 and days. For 10 days and he needs to sit out. Because if you're a coach in the Big Ten and you test positive, you're out 10 days. Players, 21. Um, and the reason that the 21 is in for the players because you also have to do the additional heart testing. Um, if I was the coaches, I'd be like, hey, y'all don't want to do that stuff for me. But, hey, whatever. That's they <laughs> got a guaranteed contract. Right? Yeah, FBR, they got the contracts. The family be all right. Right. Um, and so – My thing is, and why I'm kind of upset with the NCAA at this point, and I'm putting him on blast, is it hit me through all of that, and we'll continue to see it through different um, coaches and different players testing positive. We have no uniform – Rules about any of this. Any. We can go in the SEC. They have their own kind of rules, and you know, Nick Saban ends up back on the sidelines. But if you then, um, if you uh, fudge the COVID data or you do anything shady, you can be fined your school a million a dollars. Million dollars yeah. Which, man, I wish that if. Think about if Kevin Warren came out and said that people would lose their minds if that was Kevin Warren that came out and said that you could be fined a million dollars. You did um, that late like, The that, governor
1: in Michigan wasn't scared. They they kidnapped Kevin Warren quick. Right?
0: Like what? Like what is happening? So like, and, and it's partially, but it, again, it's like he's built up. Um, Greg Sankey has built up the K- SEC commissioner the goodwill yeah. <laughs> with the SEC. Oh yeah. Um, and Kevin Warren obviously clearly has not. Right? right. Then we have the situation with Purdue where he has Jeff Brown has to be out 10 days the ACC has their own rules and so as we're going I'm like why couldn't the NCAA just make some some of these not even all of the rules something some of them needed to be uniform so that everybody A was on a level playing field but just so it was easier for everybody to understand what has to happen.
1: Right and just the NCAA hasn't really said anything.
0: Oh no, they have been absolute. Mark Emmert, I forget how much he makes, um, but it's multi million dollars. Um And to do what at this point? Because they he haven't just really said. Well, said he anything. doing what me and
1: you doing? We, we he watching games,
0: <laughs> just <laughs> he, hanging out
1: yeah, with pizza, beer, <laughs> right? And on eating, eating hot wings, yeah. yeah. Lemon pepper, right? <laughs> <Just> <laughs> right?
0: Drinking hell ale like right. that. Get it at your local store.
1: Yeah. The, the, who I want to put on blast, and it's, it's down in the SEC country. If you saw that two weeks ago, I think they played Texas A&M. Uh, Florida Gators coach Dan Mullen said when he comes back to the swamp and they were about to play LSU, he wanted 90,000 people. Right? Just an ignorant statement. Florida is COVID, like, central. It's just going crazy. And I will yeah. say this, Texas A&M. For only supposed to having twenty five thousand people, it looked like it was fifty.
0: Yeah, they had at least forty. I at it, that stage, at least
1: forty, yeah. and I don't know if they were some real human cutouts, but they were sitting awful close proximity. Right. Um. And so he gets on there after the game. He said, obviously, the crowd was a factor, which is which is true. Mm-hmm. They lost on the road, got destroyed defensively, which is obviously Florida's bread and butter. They got embarrassed, and they were about to play LSU the next week. And he said he wanted he wanted to. Overstep his boundaries and get into, I guess, politics per se. And he said he wanted to swamp full 20, when they were playing LSU. Lo and behold, less than forty-eight hours later, who comes up COVID positive? Dan Mullen. So I'm putting you up on. I'm putting you on blast it's for worse. running your mouth. Then I'm gonna put you on double blast. Okay, I don't know how you got COVID, but your old lady be kissing players in the mouth. Okay, <laughs> that If, you, if know, you've never seen not, the video I, I, of this, you have here, to man, Google and it. I, and I get it, man. I get it. You, I, you know The wives are a big deal in coaching, and they make a lot of sacrifices. But I've never seen a grown woman that's married to somebody kiss anywhere from 18 to 22-year-old players for good luck in the mouth. Because I'm going to tell you, there's going to be a brother right there <laughs> going to try to slip some tongue in there. So I'm, see, putting, I'm putting a whole see, damn Now you're
0: getting you somebody cut.
1: I'm putting a whole damn mulling. Family, thought process, and the Florida Gators athletic department on blast.
0: The only person – I'm going to save one person in that, though, from Florida, and that's Scott Strickland, the athletic director at Florida, who said that Dan oh, no, Mullen – no, he, he said he, that basically that Dan Mullen is better at calling plays than yeah, looking yeah. at the science. Right. After he said now, the thing about the I will say the that. Swing. So I'll, I'll tell
1: you that. I'll, I'll take it back. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to peel it back. I'll, I'll save him from putting on blast, and I'm going to put one of my best friends – Todd Grantham from being on bat blast, and he's a defensive <laughs> he coordinator. 20, right? Everybody else, you on fully blast. If you really associated with Dan Mullen, everybody on offense, you on blast. And the whole Mullen family, you on blast. Period.
0: I had totally forgotten about the thing with the wife. Uh, I promise well, you, go well, Google well, it. There's videos out there we are not making this well, up. It was it's very it. weird. I it, hope that it's not happening now. Come on, we in the age of Rona. Was, I hope it's not well, happening.
1: There was no. pictures on there after he said that he was COVID positive. And if she had Florida Gator paraphernalia on it. She he only been there for a couple of years. There's no the, you can't self impose that on you. If you do it once, that's bad. More than that, all right, you just on blast. Period. I mean, they like just, my daughter tells me. Period. <laughs> 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 I, think, I
0: think that they just we might have our first injury in the put them on blast Hall of Fame. Right. That one might have to go in there. The that, whole the whole Florida is, Gator it, operation at
1: the, at the end of every year we need to have a vote for the top five. Putting them on blast series, and we got to come up with a trophy. Yeah, I'm, I can give to I'll just yeah, say, I'll, I'll tell Todd Grant. <laughs> he's on there. Yeah, like no, he's I'll give it right to him. I, if we we give here, here. you go, man. We're gonna see. <laughs> we're gonna send you a little a pack of beer or something, or a six pack of beer, man. Here you go, man. We just gonna put you on blast here at Omaha.
0: Oh man, that's great. That is a great place uh, to leave this podcast. I am happy that it's game week. Knocking on wood. Nothing like game week. Hold on, man. They're gonna play. It's
1: on. It, it, you, you know like my my grandpa is on like a pot of neck bone so it's on okay it's on we're gonna see it's show and tell time man you you know I mean you can lift all them weights and all them little things when you come out there to, like the Ohio State all my you know Antoine Winfield and been texting me my dad been <laughs> calling me all morning <laughs> talking about them silver silver bullets are coming well hey we we gotta we gotta go fight it we got to go deal deal with it we are
0: definitely going to find out and we will have something oh, to wait. react to. I am I'm I'm excited just, for I'm it. now. To, to, you know
1: what the biggest question for me is, man, I hope you know is how early I'm going to be up if I'm going to actually work out and try to get in good graces or if I'm just say you know what, I'm just going to just start cracking them open. <laughs> like, because right. like I'm, I'm a five o'clock riser, okay? okay? And I know you are too. Yeah. You know, we're going to 4 five 45 every morning. Because you be in the gym, I be chilling. So yeah. I feel bad. I was like, dang, hey, Greg, i been in the gym already, okay? Yeah. Five o'clock, 5 30, you might hear it. <laughs> Jay at it. And that if I start getting on that Twitter, I might have to say I might. Have to no, put the phone away. It. Don't
0: Herm Edwards. <laughs> don't hit send. We do not want you off that henny out here sending these tweets out. We do not want uh. that. Uh, but we do want you to come back next time. We want you to go ahead and subscribe to the podcast everywhere that you can listen to them. Uh, rate us and leave us a five star review. If you only leave four, I am inclined to think you're a hater. Uh, make sure that you're also checking out the other podcasts on the Hale Varsity Network, uh, the Mind Your Own Podcast, Varsity Club, more to it, and the Hale Varsity Radio Show. And we have an email that you can send us all of your suggestions and good feedback to at straight up breakdown at HaleVarsity.com. You can find us on Twitter at Greg Smith hb and at Foreman5644. We will catch you next time.